they kind of have this ability to just do kind of whatever they want within reason. Obviously, they have to keep their child safe. But you go, okay, are they safe? Yes. Are they doing the job? Yes. Are they doing it the way you want? No. Is it worse to not have someone? Hello, you're listening to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney. Today, I have three guests on for a discussion about in-home nursing. Now, before I get into what this episode is, I'm going to tell you what it is not. This is not a how-to on getting much-needed nursing care. We do have a website linked in the show notes, though, that has every state listed out along with the waivers that are available for in-home support. So check that out if that's the boat you're in. It is also not overly diverse in the lived experience of the three guests. All three of them were required by their states to have in-home nursing in place before being able to bring their children home from the hospital. And I think the fact that they weren't at home first in desperate need of nursing really informs their perspectives on the topic. Okay, now that we've established what this episode isn't, let's move on to what it is. This episode is a look at how having in-home nursing can affect our identities as parents and how lack of privacy can affect our relationships with our children and our partner and our ability to process trauma and grieve. There are also huge frustrations at a system that isn't ideal for families to navigate. At the root of this topic, though, regardless of how helpful or unhelpful in-home nursing might be, there is a deep grief and resentment that we require that help in the first place. It's one more thing about our lives that is vastly different from the way we envisioned it, and so that's really at the crux of this episode. As I mentioned before, there will be some of you that feel differently than the guests. If you feel off-put by the things you hear, I encourage you to lean into that and to process how you do feel. Everyone's perspectives are valid, both as shared in this episode and felt by you while listening. As uncomfortable as it can be to listen to someone who you disagree with or hits a sore spot, it can also be super helpful in forming opinions and becoming more aware of how you feel about a topic. So that being said, let's introduce you to the three incredible parents who participated in today's conversation. Firstly, we have Nicole. Nicole lives with her husband and two children in Michigan. Kaylin is three and Sophia is one and medically complex. She is an early childhood professional and currently uses those skills in caring for her two children. And she is one of our awesome discussion group facilitators. We are so grateful for her. And there is a link in the show notes for those who want more information on the discussion groups if you want to join, which I highly recommend. Nicole is a lover of ice cream and of drawing and painting. Secondly, we have Brooke, who also lives in Michigan. She and her husband have three girls, the oldest of which is six years old and medically complex. Brooke previously worked in college student services, but is now a stay-at-home mom and part-time brand ambassador for a health and wellness company. Brooke is a lover of her trusty tumbler and of hand embroidering, which I think is really cool. And then lastly, we have Caitlin. Caitlin lives just outside Chicago with her husband and three children. Her oldest is Harriet, who is five and medically complex. 
She works as an immunologist, and she's actually the one in the cover photo for the episode about the ways our careers are affected by our children's disabilities. And you can actually see her lab equipment behind her in that pic, which is pretty fun. Caitlin is a lover of architecture and biking, and especially when those things are combined. Okay, guys, let's dive in. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm super excited to create this episode with you all about in-home nursing and specifically the impact that it has on us as parents, because I think that we could probably have several other episodes about like the logistics of it and here's how you advocate for this and that. But then this episode, we're definitely focusing more on like how it's impacted you. And I'm really grateful for each of you and for the unique perspectives you have to offer. So starting with Caitlin and then Brooke and then Nicole, if you could each just briefly share where you're at in the in-home nursing timeline, that would be awesome just to give some context. Yeah. My name's Caitlin and we've had in-home nursing for about five years now. We had first started in-home nursing when my daughter came home with her trach when she was about nine months old and she is almost six. So it's been about five years. So we're pretty far into the journey. We've got a lot of different iterations of nurses and different things. She's in school now. So now we kind of have to orchestrate the going to school with a nurse as well, which is sort of a new thing for us. She's in kindergarten. And we currently have one nurse, only one nurse on staff for us right now. Again, there have been different iterations of time when we've had multiple nurses, different shifts, but currently we only have one staffed position and we focus on school hours for that. Awesome. My name is Brooke and my oldest daughter is our medically complex child. And she also had a trach but she has since been decannulated. So our journey was the first three years of her life. She's now almost six as well. And we are on the other side of it, but it's something that even though the medical aspect of her life still continues, the impact of in-home nursing is something that I still feel very much to my core and is something that I'm never going to forget. And often when I'm thinking back on the really hard parts of those first three years, I'm not thinking about the 20 plus procedures she had. A lot of the hardest part was navigating nursing in our home. Wow. That is such a statement. We'll come back to that. That's a big deal. I'm Nicole. I have a 11 month, almost one year old baby. We found out we would have nursing pretty early before I had had her. And we came home from the hospital with home nursing at three months old. So pretty early for most babies, but... We're in the very early stages. We're coming out of the fog of it all a little bit. And somewhere between getting our bearings and also feeling like there's no hope, (laughs) like this is never going to get better. So we're in the (laughs) trenches. Yeah, Nicole, this was your idea, right? You were like, do you have any episodes about in-home nursing? And I was like, okay, well, we need to make this happen. And I want you to be a guest on it just because I do really value like both ends of this where it's like the more seasoned moms that are like, we've done this for years. And then the like, I'm in the middle of it. What the heck is going on? And I'm still processing it all. I think they're both really valuable perspectives to have. So I'm really grateful for all of you. I would like to kind of jump back to what you said, Brooke, about how in-home nursing was kind of one of the hardest things in the first few years with your daughter. Yeah, it really was. So my daughter has charge syndrome and it has impacted a lot of her functioning. Lots of heart defects, cleft lip, cleft palate, deaf, like a whole host of things that we've had to navigate. And while that's had its own stressors, like nursing by far like shook my husband and I to our core. 
We thought we had things under wraps. We spent the first six months of her life in the hospital. We trained, like we were in on her care from day one, picked up everything fairly quickly. And neither my husband or I have like a medical background. And I'm sure anyone listening to this can relate. Like we're kind of thrown into things and you got to learn that on the fly. And we felt really good about, you know, our ability to care for our daughter, even though she had a trach, she had a G-tube, she had all these like complex needs. And we got to about five months into the hospital and she was getting to a point where medically she was able to go home, but we couldn't because nursing wasn't lined up because of the lack of staff that we could get. We were working with multiple nursing agencies and we still couldn't get shifts filled. My mom actually trained along with us in the hospital and we were begging our hospital system like, hey, can we go home if my mom is like filling quote unquote these shifts? Because my husband and I were both working full time just to make ends meet at that point. It wasn't an option for one of us to drop a job so we could be full time caregiver. So my mom trained along with us. We were in talks for a long time and my daughter ended up staying in the hospital three weeks more than necessary, just waiting on nursing. And that was just the start of it. That was just the very beginning of how nursing has impacted like our journey with our daughter. And from there, there's just, and I know we'll get into this in the podcast, but like a whole host of things that mentally took a toll. The logistics is a big thing. Having someone in your home and just not feeling like you have that own space, that own privacy, that every step you take is being watched, whether they truly are watching you or not, like you can't get away from that, you know? And she was our first daughter. Like we never experienced parenthood before her. And we were navigating this new life of, okay, we knew how to operate in the hospital for six months. Now we're home, but we also have people we don't know that we have to inherently trust for survival's sake in our home and trying to figure out all of it with the emotions. It was just a toll in the moment for sure, but it took the most toll I think from us emotionally once we were at the end of it and processed everything that we'd been through over the past two and a half, three years. Wow. Yeah. We've actually found out that we were going to have to have nurses in the home before we even knew if she was going to come out living. She had like a crazy low chance of survival and she defied all the odds, but she still did come home trach vent dependent, G-tube, all that. But we came home from the hospital after all that waiting and we found out that we were going to have nursing so far in advance that they were telling us, by the way, this is going to take months. You're probably going to be in the hospital for months just waiting for somebody to pick up a shift so you can go home. So we were super prepared for this to be this long, epic thing. And then we got lucky. We actually got to come home at three months. So we were only in the stable vent unit for about a month and a half before we got fully trained and then we got to come home. But, oh, we were not ready for what it was gonna be when we were home. We had an older child who was two at the time, he's now three. So we had to get him used to having people in the house. My parenting was completely on display. Like 100% of the time, there's no privacy whatsoever. And you have things to talk about and discuss. In the hospital, we had kind of split our care up where my husband took care of the older child and I was the primary for our younger child. So we were used to the split stuff, but when we came home, we thought it would be this big sigh of relief and it got complex. Yeah. I feel like the privacy was a huge thing that I didn't anticipate, I guess, before we came home. 
I was thinking about it like, oh, well, you know, some people have nannies and maybe it's just like that, but it somehow is so different. And I will say that I now have two more children. Our daughter that requires the nursing care is our oldest as well. So this was also first time parenting with the nursing and everything. Now we have younger twins. She has two younger brothers and we have a nanny for them that helps out for them. So we actually have a nanny and a nurse, which has some complications that maybe we could go into in a little bit too. (laughs) But it is very different. It's hard to describe why it feels like it should be a very similar thing, but it is very much not a similar thing. But I was going to say in terms of like the you're never alone and you never have this privacy. I think like one thing that I noticed when my daughter was young and sometimes, you know, we would have nursing hours. We primarily used our nursing hours so we could work as well. So like both of us could go to work. That was really what we needed them for. But because of the nature of the hours, like obviously sometimes the nurse would be on shift when we were also home, like in the evening or night nursing or things like that. And I sometimes felt like we should leave. Like we had evening nursing, for example, for Friday evenings for a long time when my daughter was very young. So our nurse worked a Friday shift until 10 p.m. And on one hand, this was great because actually allowed us to get out sometimes. It was sort of like a date night thing. So we could have kind of a standing. My husband and I could get out. We could go to dinner as long as we're home by 10 o'clock. We could leave the nurse there. It was sort of a weird freedom that I think a lot of people with newborn children don't have, like a standing date night every Friday. We could get out a little bit. We could talk to each other over dinner. But some weeks I didn't want to go out. I wanted to just have a Friday night at home, playing with our daughter, hanging out, watching a show. But it felt so intrusive to have the nurse there as well that I was like, well, if the nurse is here, why am I here? The nurse is caring for our child. So I feel like we need to go out because we should take advantage of this time and go out. But like, I don't want to go out. And it was weird that I honestly felt like in some cases I was stepping on the nurse's toes. And I was a new parent. So I didn't have like, I think the confidence that I maybe have now. But I felt like, oh, I should leave because the nurse is here. And now I would be like, uh, you get out of my way. I'm here. <laughs> like, I think I feel a little <laughs> differently about it now. But I honestly did. Like, I made myself scarce. And it makes me sad to think back on because I spent less time with my daughter in some of those cases because I decided to just scurry away and not spend the time like yeah a lot of complicated thoughts it's very different than having a nanny I actually used to be a nanny so it was weird I never wanted to have hired help in the house like that wasn't my life plan like these kids are going to school so that I can work and have a career and I currently don't work so I'm always in my house and my nurses are always in my house with me and it's incredibly different because first of all they only take care of one child So we have a second child. They can't do anything. Some of them are okay with doing some stuff, but they can't do anything with my son. They aren't in charge of his well-being. They're only in charge of Sophia's well-being. And there's a separation there. We're lucky now because we have nurses who are willing to kind of coexist in our space with us so that we can be a family. But in the beginning, it was weird. It was me focusing on my two-year-old, but all I wanted to do was hold my girl. And we wanted so badly to just sit on the couch, watch TV as a family. But there's this other person in your house. And in those beginning weeks, it hurt so much because we had full coverage. We were very blessed. It didn't last long. And that's a whole different (laughs) thing. But for the beginning, we had full coverage. We had three companies, which comes with its own baggage because there's so much paperwork. But we had someone in our house nonstop. And there's this line you don't know what to cross. If I'm in the same room as my child, am I in the nurse's way? Am I infringing on their job? Am I making them uncomfortable? Am I present too much? Am I present not enough? 
should I make myself more present? Should I make myself less present? There's no handbook to this. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, for me, it almost felt like an extension of just this. I didn't know where I fit when I was in the hospital with my daughter. And I felt like I had to ask for permission to do things that any other mother could do. And it felt like that continued at home, having a nurse in the home that I wasn't her mom. I wasn't her caregiver because the nurse was there. And especially with her being like my first child, like I had a really hard time finding where I fit and finding my voice. And Caitlin, you mentioned earlier about like that confidence. When you're a first time parent, like you've got to find that voice to begin with, but also being a medical parent for the first time, that's a whole nother voice you got to find. And I know for the first at least six months to a year home with a nurse, I really struggled to find that balance. And I didn't feel like I could break down to my husband in my own home about these things. Because they like, because of that, never being alone. <laughs> yeah. I think on that too, it was such a weird dichotomy because like, as you said, like, oh, you know, we were originally fully staffed and that's great. And everyone you talk to who's not done this before, I feel like are like, that's amazing. I mean, even people with nurses, sometimes you're like, wow, that's great. You're fully staffed. But also like, we can understand that there's a complicated feeling to that. It's not just a pure good thing, but I feel like still to this day, it's so complicated because we have so many friends or family or people are like, you should be so lucky that you have this. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky you have this nurse step. You're so lucky. Someone in our family was like, free childcare. I'm jealous. Uh-uh. And you're like, you so don't understand. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that. For example, like when my daughter was maybe two, two and a half, we ended up going on like kind of an extended vacation. We finally were given permission to like fly, go on vacation. And a very well-meaning friend said like, oh, are you going on vacation for a week without the nurse? Like, are you worried about that? And I was like, this just speaks to how little people understand because like, not only am I not worried about it, that was one of the best weeks of our life because we actually just got to be a family. Like it wasn't a, oh my gosh, who's going to do the care? It was like, no, it was just us and our family and being like normal people who go on vacation with their kid and stay in a hotel or do whatever. And it just, it felt like whenever people say this, it's just another little example of how much it's hard to explain our life versus like our family, our friends, they mean so well and we should be grateful. And then I feel like I should be grateful. You're right. Like I shouldn't be complaining (laughs) about this. Like we're so lucky that we have nursing. There's lots of people who don't get nursing or whatever, but it just makes me extra frustrated to feel like I'm supposed to be grateful for this thing that I didn't even want to have in the first place. Like it wasn't part of our vision. We were expecting to send our daughter to daycare. We didn't know she was going to have medical complexity. So we also were like, we had a spot for her in a daycare. We were all ready to go. We had this whole plan. And it's just so obvious again and again and again, how different we are from other families. I think the big difference really comes down to that reliability. Like if a nurse doesn't show, that completely changes your whole day plan, sometimes your whole week plan. But also, if they're there, you have to make sure that you're there to cover for the nurse when the nurse leaves. So we have like a six-hour gap between nurses some days. And that's great. Those are great six hours. I get to hang out with my kids. It's awesome. Yes, we can totally and completely care for our child without a nurse. Completely and totally. But... Trach vent means we have to be awake with her, technically, 24-7. That means that in all technicalities, we are supposed to be awake with her when she sleeps. You take home a baby, no matter how complex or how many needs they have, and usually you still get to sleep when your baby sleeps. If you have a trach vent kid, 
you aren't supposed to sleep. So what that meant for us was we have a two-year-old that wakes up 8.30, 9 o'clock, no matter what, that one of us has to be up for anyway. My husband has a full-time job that pays the bills, has the insurance that covers the nursing. Like, he has to do his job. So I would stay awake until 5 a.m. He'd wake up at 5 a.m. He'd go to bed at 7 p.m. As soon as dinner was done, he was in bed. That leaves me to clean up after dinner, put the kids to bed, and all of that goes on us. We can do it, and we did do it for a long time. But when we have the nursing in our house, it means we get to do something normal, but it's still not normal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like trying to explain that to someone who hasn't lived it. So my mother trained alongside us, lived with us for three years because we could never get enough staffing. So my husband and I could get to work and operate safely. My husband is a machinist. He works with heavy machinery and like it's super important that he's awake and alert and functioning well. He actually fell asleep at the wheel and crashed into a bridge when my daughter was one and a half. So shortly after we came home. And that was because we were pulling shifts. Even with my mom's help, not having night nursing meant that we all took three to four hour shifts of being awake with my daughter in the middle of the night. And when you're running on broken sleep, like if you're the person who's taking the middle shift, you're getting maybe three hours before, maybe two, and maybe two or three hours after. Plus we had not just the lack of sleep, but not always the nurses that were quote unquote trained could handle things when they came up. And so often even those few hours of sleep that we would get would be broken by a nurse who didn't know what to do, even though they were quote unquote trained. So we were running and like my daughter doesn't have her trach anymore. We still run on very little sleep, but it was nothing like that time when we had the help, like that help was for survival's sake. And that's what I think people don't understand is that like, even in the best of circumstances, it is just helping us function. Like, yes, there may not from the outside looking in, it may look like we have these pros, but I promise you the cons, the not so great parts of it, a lot of people don't see that. And if we don't talk about it, how are they supposed to know? I will say we don't have night nursing anymore. So like I said, we only have one nurse and we focus on school hours. My daughter has a trach still, but she's not on a vent. And so when she was younger, we would sleep in her room or stay awake. And now that she's a little bit older, we don't sleep in her room anymore. We have monitors and we're right next door in the next room, but we all sleep when she sleeps. We still get up to suction a million times a night, but at least we sort of sleep. <laughs> but when we had night nursing when she was younger and like not quite as stable, I felt like also the number of times we had night nurses that slept that we would yes. catch being asleep. And I was like, at least if I fall asleep, I trust myself more to like still be on top of things and sleep lightly than I do somebody who's like sitting outside of her room or sitting wherever. And I just felt like even when we had night nursing and those were supposed to be the nights that we could sleep and rest and really get some rest, I never slept well those nights because I felt like I was checking on the nurse all the time or I'd be hearing her alarms going off and not hearing anyone do anything about it and then stressing about it more than if I was just in there taking care of them myself. We've talked a few times about whether or not we want night nursing back because we are up a lot with her still like doing various things in the middle of the night. And my husband, I think, has been like, well, maybe we should get night nursing again. We should think about it. And I just feel like I didn't sleep any better with the night nurse than I did without. It just was, I have very complicated feelings about specifically the night shift nurses that we got, at least. And this isn't to say we've had some wonderful nurses, I also want to say. The nurse we currently have actually has been with us since we came home with the trick, since Harriet came home with the trick. So we've had the same nurse for five years. And obviously, a million others have come and gone. But this is, you know, we have a fantastic nurse now. She really is like integrated in our life. We've had a couple others that are really stellar. But I will say in our experience, 
the ones that were coming for night shift were not the cream of the crop. I can't tell you how many times. It was at least two, three dozen times that we found nurses sleeping on shifts, like at least. And then when you take it to the nursing agency trying to follow policy and they don't care and they send them right back, we'll slap on the hand and like, you're in the same situation three nights later. And it's like, what do you do? And that's another part that I think we already wear so many hats as medical parents, like trying to navigate being a medical parent, also being a caregiver, being a parent in general, and every other hat that we wear, whether we're working or not, wife, you know, spouse, partner, whatever. We also have, not that we signed up for it, but it kind of comes along with the territory to figure out this like management of nursing staff in your home. Because even though you have hired an agency to staff, and while they're supposed to hold them accountable to policies, what ends up happening is you are the one who's training them. You are the one that's keeping them accountable. You're the one who has to see and oversee. And like, for me, I really struggled with the trust aspect because the quality of most of the care, again, I will say the same thing that Caitlin did. We had a couple stellar nurses, like, but those are few and far between. And for every great nurse we had, we had three to five nurses that just were not a good fit for whatever reason. And a lot of them in our case was just not, the basics weren't covered, even though they were trained, quote unquote, and trained and bent. When they got into the home, it was very clear that they only knew the basics. And like my daughter had more than one emergent situation pop up where myself or my mom or my dad were the ones handling it. And the nurse froze and was like not doing anything. Mm. And so you've also got this complicated hat that you wear of my insurance is paying for this nurse in my home. But when it comes down to it, like how much can I actually trust? Like you've also got this weird, if there is something that needs to be addressed, you have to address it with the nurse first before you go to the company. And a lot of us don't have medical degrees. We know our kids very well because we're with them 24 seven, but that's not always acknowledged by the staff in your home as something to be considered as, hey, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm asking of you. And like, I'm going off of what I've been trained by our hospital system. And this is how we'd like things done for her safety. I can't say that every single nurse was very open to hearing feedback from me because I didn't have a nursing degree, even though I'd spent three years 24 seven caring for her. I was just going to say about the management stuff. I also, you feel like you're suddenly running a team, like you need an HR department because we also, I don't know if you folks, like when my daughter was under three, she was in our state calls it early intervention, but some places call it zero to three or, you know, she had therapies in the home. She had like speech and PT and people that would come to the house. And we had a couple instances where the nurses would fight with the therapists, like while we were at work. And I would get a text from the therapist that was like, <laughs> I left the house because that nurse is totally off base and she was this. So then I call the nursing agency and I'm like, the nurse yelled at the therapist. Can they not do that, please? Can they be nice to the therapist? And then the nursing <laughs> oh agency gosh. is like, it's a he, she said, she said, like, I don't know. In this case, they were both women. And like, then we had to install all these extra cameras in the house because we needed to record things. And then we had to tell everybody like, we're recording now because if you guys fight, we have to be able to go back and watch the tape to see who's at fault for this stupid thing. And you're just like, can you just be nice and get along with each other? Also, I might as like, now I'm trying to be at work, but I'm like trying to put out fires at home because people are fighting. And it just was like so many extra layers that I was like, mm -hmm. I didn't think this was going to be part of parenting. And I will say, again, we're in a better state with things right now. But when we went to get a nanny, like when our younger two were born and we decided for a variety of reasons that we were going to try to go the nanny route instead of the daycare route, we had to really think about that. And it added some complications, too, because it's hard enough to find good childcare, like for anybody. Like it's hard to find daycare spots. It's hard to find a good nanny. Like 
And then we had to be like, we need a good nanny who's also okay with working in a house with our nurse all the time. Because sometimes my daughter's not at school. They're off school. She has to stay home sick, whatever. She's not always out of the house. And then also that the nurse, like the nurse needs to be nice to the nanny. The nanny needs to be nice to the nurse. In an ideal world, they would get along, but like they have to at least put up with each other. And it just, again, added so many extra layers of complexity, even to find care for our typical two children, like the nursing affected our finding care for them. We turn into these nurse managers without nursing degrees and really without any control. Yeah, I feel like some of it is also like this idea that like you get what you get and you don't get upset. We send you a nurse. You can't complain. What if the nurse isn't a great fit? But then we always had this like, well, are they a bad enough fit to send them back knowing that I might not get a replacement nurse for months? Or are they okay? I guess, enough, even though it's not a good fit and we're not getting along well. But like, are they better than nothing? It's just was this weird, like you felt like you didn't have any agency. 110% yes, because... You do question the whole entire time, like, do I keep this person on? This person's been late to every single shift. They've been sitting in the car for 20 minutes. Their shift started 20 minutes ago. Do I complain to the agency or do I just keep them because, dear God, I need a night nurse? They kind of have this ability to just do kind of whatever they want within reason. Obviously, they have to keep their child safe. But you go, okay, are they safe? Yes. Are they doing the job? Yes. Are they doing it the way you want? No. Is it worse to not have someone? I hate to say that we were lucky in this because we weren't, it was hell, but we lost all of our nursing in one fell swoop with the exception of like one person. So we forced ourselves to learn that yes, we can do this without them. We can, it's hard as heck and it's not fair to either of our children. It's not fair to our jobs, but we can. And the lesson that we learned from it is that, no, sometimes any nurse is not better than no nurse. There are times when you have to learn to say, no, I don't want this person in my house. If they don't feel comfortable with her care, if they're scared of her, then no, especially if they're a night nurse, because I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night because you don't know how to do a trach change independently. It's this constant, like, second-guessing yourself. You feel like you're going crazy talking it through with your partner. Hush, hush in the next room because there's a nurse at the other end of the house. I'm going to go crazy if we fire this nurse because I need sleep. But at the same time, the safety of your child is more important than anything. We had no clue that my daughter was going to be decannulated when she did. It was a very fast progression of things that happened from when we found out it was a possibility that it happening was like two weeks time. Like it was crazy how fast it happened. But literally three months before all of that started, we still thought this is the long haul. We're going to be, you know, traked for at least the foreseeable future. And we had a situation where we had moved closer to my husband's job. So we didn't have to worry about him falling asleep on a 45 minute commute. And we lost all of our nurses, except for one nurse who drove two hours one way because he knew how desperately we needed that help. And we will always be indebted to that nurse. He was fantastic for our family. And I will never forget him. We are still in communication. My daughter still loves the heck out of him. And that was three years ago when we didn't need the the nursing anymore. But there was a situation three months before we got on the fast track to the cannulation where we had a nurse that I was downstairs working my job. And I just had this gut feeling that I needed to check the camera. And I checked the camera and I witnessed our nurse being very, very rough with my daughter. And I froze. 
and I didn't know what to do because I was the only person at home. And I knew from her communication with us, there was a weird situation at her last job where she got fired. She was one of our favorite nurses. I knew over talking to her from the last year that she can be a pretty petty and very, very just scary person when she's angry. And I was terrified. I was home alone. I didn't know what to do. And like, I knew she had to go. I knew we had to fire her, but I did not feel safe to go upstairs and say, get out of my house. And I will always beat myself up over this because it was something that like in the moment I froze. And that's not who I thought I was going to be. If I witnessed something happening to my child, I don't want to get into specifics on this podcast, but like, I'll never forget that. And we went through a whole process, reported her to the state. She was fined and put on probation. And we had, you know, the video evidence and it was a whole thing. We got rid of that nurse and we had just the one last nurse, but we had to make that decision. And then it was a whole host of complications where we had to justify our actions to the nursing agency. And they're like, well, you guys really need a nurse. Like we don't need a nurse that bad. My daughter's safety is most important. And you'd think that you guys would be, you know, on board with that. Yes. Yes. It's so frustrating because you also feel like there's some amount of like every new parent who drops their kid off at daycare for the first time is like, I hope they're safe. Hope these people care for them well. But like, first of all, the idea that you would ever tell somebody to be like, why don't you send your kid back to that daycare where they were abusing them? The fact that that's even the answer that was suggested to you is like totally mind boggling. But also I think there is a little bit of like, our kids are at higher risk for that kind of behavior. I mean, obviously all infants can't speak and tell you what's going on, but a lot of kids who have nursing maybe never are able to really articulate what's going on with them. And so you feel like they can't really tell you if something's going wrong or if they don't like someone as our daughter who can communicate with us now, now that she's older and things like that. You know, there were some times when it was very clear that she didn't like a certain nurse and there were things going on that we had to try to start to trust her and say like, you know, this isn't working out for a variety of reasons, but it's just so hard to fear on top of everything else, on top of fearing trach accidents, on top of fearing that they're not on top of it, on top of fearing an accident that they're going to freeze up and not handle things like you would. There's a very real fear that maybe there's some sort of neglect or abuse going on in here too. And again, obviously there's like amazing nurses as well, but you don't feel in control of which ones you get. It feels like such a crapshoot if you get the amazing nurse that's a friend of your family forever that feels like a real part of your life, or if you get a nurse who you have to report to the state. And we train them. Like, you have to train these people. You have to bring them into your home and teach them how to do this. And sometimes, I mean, I just got through training one person completely from scratch, never worked with trachs, never worked with fence had four hours of training from the agency just on charting and that's it. And I had to go from scratch. We invest so much time into each and every one of these people praying that it's gonna work. And sometimes we get very lucky. We have some really good nurses right now, but I also know that tomorrow we could have none. They could take a different case. They could change their job. We know they're not paid as well as they probably should be, especially the good ones. All of this is fleeting. You can't make plans. I don't know how to do therapy. Like, I really want to go and do therapy. This is a whole thing that I have to mentally, internally process that I'm not currently mentally, internally processing. Because I don't know if my nurses are going to show up every single day of the week that they're scheduled to. They flip-flop their days. Sometimes I have someone on Monday. Sometimes I have someone on Tuesday. Sometimes I have someone on Thursday. Like... There's no guarantee. 
And I just found out from the agency that one of them that we really like, they're like, yeah, we're thinking about putting on our different case. And I was like, no, why would you do that? We finally have all our days covered. So even if you get the good ones, you don't know if you can count on them and you've invested so much time. And it feels like in terms of the good ones, like there's also no way for us to reward the good ones. Like sometimes we, I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about the bad ones, like how do you get rid of yeah. them and what do you, do you get rid of them and things like that. But like, I've been on the phone with our nursing agency a bunch, like arguing and trying to get our amazing nurse a well-deserved raise. And it's just like, I can't give them a raise. I can't give them paid time off. I can't give them the things that you would give them if you were their direct supervisor in some way. Like the nursing agency is like, well, thank you for saying they're great. And I'm like, please compensate this person so they don't leave us, (laughs) but also so they get what they deserve. They're a great person. And so for example, also maybe there's some day where you're like, my daughter has an appointment And I kind of want to go with her alone. Like, I don't want to take the nurse with her to this appointment. I just want to have some time. Sometimes you're like, can we just have time alone? Like, nothing wrong with the nurse. We love her. But like, sometimes they're like, you know, you can use that as like a fun little afternoon together or whatever. And like, I just want to take her by myself. So we're like, let's give the nurse the afternoon off. Well, now the nurse is getting screwed out of hours. And then you feel bad, especially if they're a good nurse, that you're like, well, I don't want you to have your paycheck suffer because I asked you not to come here because it almost feels like I'm being selfish by wanting to like spend one-on-one time with my child. But again, if it was something in our control, I could just be like, look, we'll pay you for the extra of the day. Like, don't worry, like take the day off. But the nursing agency is never going to be like, we'll give her a paid day off. So like, again, you're just so stuck. This middleman of the agency is so frustrating for me. Absolutely. And then like you have such great experiences with those nurses that you do click with that are doing their fantastic job with your child. But then they feel really beat down on the job because of all of the paperwork on the back end that their nursing agency is like slapping them over the hand for. And I can't tell you how many nurses, they would have a really hard day with our daughter because she had a lot of like things pop up and they would have to stay uncompensated for hours after to finish charting. And there was nothing I could do about that. Like we would take tasks that they would normally do, like washing the syringes or anything, anything we could do to help, we would do. But like they were at the mercy of people who don't even see their day to day. And it's so frustrating because like you kind of bend over backwards to like think them profusely and the ones that are great, like you try to have this really great relationship with, but at the same time, their work environment isn't just what you make it because you are not in control. And that charting can be a rough thing to watch, you know, because they have to charge every time they suction. So some days that's not much. Some days it's copious. And you're like, are you going to play with my kid? Like, please come back out of the charting. But I get it. Like, I know they have to do it. Otherwise, they're going to get in trouble with their job. And that might be one of the big differences between a nanny and a nurse is the fact that they have all this paperwork that they have to complete in order to keep their license. But it means that while they're doing it, they're not playing with my baby. They're not working on their therapies. They're not you know, making silly faces at them or anything, they're stuck in their tablet because they have to. I'm so glad you brought this up. I wanted to kind of ask you both how you dealt with this because my daughter's in school now. So during the day, she gets enrichment from school during school hours. She's doing things with the other kids. But when she was younger, when she was under three, when, you know, we had this same issue where we were like, what can we ask of the nurse? Because technically we would have some people come and they'd be like, well, I'm a nurse, not an aunt. Like I only am doing suctioning, meds, G-tube feeds. I'm not playing with them. I'm not doing this. And it was so frustrating because we were like, she's an infant. She needs stimulation. And so we had the nursing agency put into our medical notes that it is expected that the nurse engages in 
play therapy. You need to be doing the PT exercises. You need to be doing all this stuff, like just in a way to make sure that nurses who came knew what was expected of them. And we were very upfront about it too, but the number of people who came and were very frustrated with the idea that they're working in pediatric nursing, but the idea that they would have to engage with the child in like more of like a caregiver sort of like a playmate sort of a way, like a nanny sort of a way where like put them in front of the TV all day. You don't just leave them in their crib to lay there and not do anything. Like you have to get them out of the crib, doing things, engaging, singing songs, playing games. And we had to frame it as if it was her medical care, which it is. But like, you know, her whole medical care would be better if you were developmentally engaging with her as well. But the fact that we even had to ask for that and then that was pushed back on a lot was so frustrating. I had thought before, like, I wonder if people see the list of conditions she has and they see her equipment and they make some assumption about her functionality or like mobility, things like that. And they assume like, I'm going to take this case. This kid's going to be laying in their bed. All I have to do is like come in and check on him every once in a while. Then I can be on my phone or whatever the whole time. And then they would arrive and she was like a functionally somewhat typical three-year-old or whatever, who was like wanted to play and run around and do different things. And then they would be like, oh, never mind. This case isn't for me. And then there goes that one, which for the best all around. But like, I'm curious, like, again, we had to really fight to get those things included in her technical nursing care. So I'm like interested in in how you folks dealt with that or are dealing with that. I mean, you're still very much in it, Nicole. We had a lot of pushback at first with that. And it was one of many things that I think lost us our nursing all in one fell swoop was the fact that she has these medical complexities, but she's a baby. She's going to learn to sit up. She's going to walk. She's going to talk. It's going to sound really weird, but she's going to talk. She just wants to play. And what comes with that is everything that comes with normal, quote, normal babyhood. It's that constant changing. Every week, it's something new. Their sleep schedule changes. Their feeding regimen changes. It's constant. They're always learning things. They're always doing things. And in a way, we're really blessed to have that life because she's amazing. But then I would see a nurse just letting her sit in front of a screen in the crib by herself. And you're like, hey, you have to play with her. It's more than just stretching her wrist. Like, yes, I'm glad you're doing your 10 stretches a day. Thank you. Could you also play with her? And I think we still have a little bit of trouble with that sometimes where she doesn't get played with as much as I would like. And the balance I've found is as long as the nurses do the therapies, then I can be her play. And that's not fair to her, but that's the closest we've been able to get. When we had nursing, my mom, like I mentioned earlier, like she lived with us for three years to fill in the gaps, particularly overnight, because we had a lot of night shifts that weren't filled. But this is where we really struggled with it. And it was a battle we didn't win. We didn't have our nursing agency say, hey, we'll write it in or even be open to that, writing it into our care. And so my mom stepped in and did a lot. Like she basically was on 24 seven, like helping during the day when I was at work and my husband was at work. And we would tap her out so she could get some time out of the house alone, just decompress because she felt like she had to be there to give Savannah some sort of like actual normal childhood interaction and to not have a situation where she was left in her crib all day long because we did have that until we figured out that was like something that we needed to. There was definitely a bit of us trying to figure out what was going on there and it wasn't an ideal situation, but it was something that we had to figure out how to make work. 
that was also something we didn't expect to have to figure out when we found out we have nurses. I mean, it almost sounds like, you know, I've been quiet because I haven't experienced this, but it almost sounds like perpetual hospitalization and not with all the same like medical trauma, but like you see them just sitting in their little crib, you know, in the ICU or whatever. And like, they don't get the normal experiences of childhood of like play and things like that. And it's like, I mean, I'm just picturing these kids who are like being quote unquote cared for by these nurses that won't interact with them in a normal way. And then when they're not doing that, they're off at appointments all day or being hospitalized. And I'm like, that is so unfair to you as parents and then to the children. It makes me mad. <laughs> I mean, being mad about nursing is a thing that has happened to me a lot. I don't know <laughs> how many people are listening to this who have nursing and are just going to be like, I'm assuming, like having very similar experiences. Or I don't know how many people might be listening to this who are new to nursing or are just getting into it. I know, like, again, Nicole, like you're not that far in and it hasn't always worked for us. But I will say, I guess if I had any advice having been a few years in now is that like we really just figured out eventually our voice and it took a while too. I don't think you should beat yourself up for not having done that when she was six months old or whatever and you were just getting your feet under you with all of this. But I think like we have found that we can just ask for or demand more and more and more. And eventually I finally kind of, yeah, we put our foot down and said like, you have to give us people that will engage. Or another thing we did for what it's worth is we eventually enrolled my daughter in a daycare program that allowed the nurse to come with her to get her some more of that stimulation and some more normalcy, which obviously I know that that's going to be like very dependent on the child, very dependent on a lot of other circumstances, finances, everything. It's not something that's like inherent, but that was something that we did find as well, that we had one nurse who was willing to go with her. We enrolled her two, three days a week in a regular daycare where the other kids were there for childcare. But our daughter went with her nurse and it allowed her to get some socialization, to get some amount of normalcy. But we had to work with the daycare center and make sure that they were okay with that. We had to work with the nursing agency and make sure that they were okay with that. We had to find a nurse who was willing to go to the daycare center and do all this. Like it wasn't without complications, but I mean, I guess if somebody was starting out, I would just try to be like, you can do it. You can find your voice. Like you can push for stuff. Another big thing we had to push for that really honestly made us not have nursing for quite a while or not any nursing except for this one person was we were insisting for a period of time that our nurses be vaccinated for COVID, which I thought was something that would be pretty normal for a medical provider who also works with high risk populations. But like our daughter was too young for the vaccine for a while. She's has a lot of respiratory issues when she gets sick to begin with. That's part of her condition. We requested that the nurses be vaccinated before they came into our home. And we got so much pushback from that from the agency. We can't make them do that. We can't even not even like supporting it or encouraging it in any way. And we were made to feel like we were the problem. Well, maybe you'd have nurses if you weren't so stringent about this COVID vaccine thing. But I was just like, I also want them to be vaccinated for the flu, other things that could like endanger our children when they come into the house. And it felt like pushing back on that. We were being made to feel like that we were the problem that we didn't have nursing. We stuck to our guns and eventually have come to a place that's fine. But again, like I think we've been understaffed because of some of those requests for a long time. Yeah, I'll echo that. And like we had so much kind of talking down to from our nursing agency about like we were the problem for things as basic as don't show up with a cold. Similarly, my daughter has respiratory issues. She is a respiratory patient. And you'd think that would be a no brainer, but you're almost like gaslit to be made to think that like you're the problem, you're being unreasonable, that like this isn't really a problem. Again, it's that balance of like for the support, what lines do you set as your boundaries and what you're willing to take or not take? But so much of that is like if I could go back and tell myself 
anything, it would be you have a voice and don't care who tells you you don't. Like you have that voice for a reason. You have that gut feeling for a reason. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks because they're not the one taking care of your daughter. And in five years, they're not going to be around anyway. I have one nurse who we're at the point now where she's stable enough that we're kind of allowing some sickness into our house and we're not being quite as scared of it as much and we're getting out into the world more. And we have a nurse that has another patient that is the exact opposite and cannot get sick. So that nurse will not come into our house if we're sick. And for the longest time, we wouldn't let someone in if we were sick. And we had this understanding amongst people that if you have a cough or if you have a runny nose, even if you're pretty sure it's allergies, just tell us so that we can make a choice. And for the most part, we have openings. So we just say, how about you come in on Saturday instead? Or how about you come on Friday instead? And for the most part, they've been pretty okay with doing it. But I see so many times where that's just not the case for a lot of families where they're threatened to have their agencies pulling nurses because they don't want someone in their house when they're sick. There's so much that you just have to understand isn't understood. It's so hard. And then also reconciling too, that like up until the point when you come home and I'm sure you guys can relate, like you had this one set of standard in the hospital and things that were preached to you over and over and over again in your training that like, this is the way you need to protect your child. But when you get home, it's a whole different ball game. And while some of those standards, yes, like you hold tight to, there's some that you just have to figure out where you end up on. I was not prepared for that. Like it being such a different experience and going from like someone telling you this is the right way to take care of your child to being thrown into where you're being questioned kind of by the nursing agency, the nurses trying to figure out like what reality is and trying to reconcile those two while simultaneously always going back and forth between the home environment and admissions or surgeries, appointments, all of that, this this back and forth, you kind of feel crazy a little bit because until you get a good handle of it, like it's just so jarring sometimes the difference between the hospital environment and the home environment with nurses. That could be a whole episode too, just like how much of a hack job it is when you come home from the hospital, you trained in like the quote right way of things. And then you get home and it's like, oh, it could be another whole episode on what things you wish you knew before you came home. <laughs> I wish I knew that I needed orders for literally everything. Literally like they're supposed to sleep with a pillow under their head. We need an order for that. Oh Can't gosh. put a pillow under their head. Because that's not like, quote, safe sleep for baby. But my baby's currently breathing with a machine hooked up to their neck. So they're not going to smother themselves. If you go to an appointment and at the appointment, the doctor says, all right, let's start this therapy. Let's start weaning off the vent. You can't start that until you have written orders submitted to the company and that's put through to the nurses. They can't take verbal orders. It all has to be written down first. So you could be so excited to start this new feeding regimen. You could be so excited to start weaning them off the vent, but you can't actually start until the nursing agency has their orders in place. Like right now, I've been waiting for a whole week for new feeding orders so that I can get my daughter off of this formula that makes her constipated. And the nurse orders that you have to get, sometimes I can hear 
the confusion and eye roll on the other side of the line when I have to call back and be like, I'm sorry, I forgot to have you sign a piece of paper that said that she's allowed to wear her eye patch for more than 15 minutes a day or whatever stupid, like such a minor thing that's like not even medical. And then they're like, you need a what now? And I'm like, I need you to write it down. And then I need you to fax it to these people. And they're just like, we just told you just do it. Like, it's just, I feel like a lot of times people who maybe like there's certain specialists who like aren't as used to dealing with kids that have nursing and they're just so confused on why you need such detailed notes. And I'm like, I understand that I'm also wasting your time. This is also a waste of my time. This is a waste of all of our time. And I understand that. But I've started to be like, you get it. You call the doctor. You got a whole office of people there. You call the doctor and get it yourself. Because like, just do it yourself. But most importantly, everything has to be flexible. If they won't write my orders flexible enough for me to make a change if there's a problem, then we have to start back over from square run. I can't make changes without this. Or what happens is if there's a change that you have to implement, like, because you don't have a choice, the parent has to administer. So one night I had to stay up until 3 a.m. with a nurse. I mean, I could have just gone to sleep and woken back up, but then I would have felt like garbage to administer a taper dose from her inpatient procedure that we were still tapering down. But I had to administer it because the notes weren't sent to the agency on time. So I'm staying up and I have to be the person to give that dose because if they give that dose without orders, that could be their license on the line. Sometimes I also just want to be like, what are you for again? Not you, the nurses. Like, I also feel like this is like just turned into me being like, and then there's another problem. But like a lot <laughs> of my complaints, I think in reality, like once you settle into a good personality wise in terms of the nurses, like I feel like, again, like we are pretty lucky that we've had this one nurse who's been stable for a while. I mean, that could change it literally any second. But for the last little bit of time, we've had a nurse who we get along with and who does a great job with my daughter. But it doesn't still take away that the nursing agency themselves is like another additional player in the whole puzzle that is frustrating. What are you there for? Like, what role are you serving in our life? Like, I shouldn't feel like I'm fighting them every step of the way for some of this stuff. What was wildly interesting to me was just how much the company was getting paid for their services. Like, we were in a situation where we had to be written a check from our insurance. We signed the back and it get forwarded over to the nursing agency. And like, just for a month's worth of care was something like $35,000 or something like that. In our state, so we had a period of time when my daughter first came home from the hospital, we had private, our private insurance was covering our nursing care. We have since never been able to get them to do that again. But our state has a Medicaid waiver program. My daughter's on the Medicaid waiver, which basically covers her nursing. So a lot of kids in the state of Illinois who need nursing end up using this because I think the state knows that insurance companies often won't cover it. So there was a whole lawsuit here a couple years ago that parents basically sued the state saying, if you say the kids need nursing, you're paying for nursing, but you're not paying enough to actually secure any nursing. So what you have is a whole state full of kids who can't get shifts covered because the reimbursement is so low. The families basically won this case and they redid all the pay lines. And so they like put out this whole new thing about how much the state's reimbursing all the nursing agencies. It's an ongoing issue because it has turned out that the nursing agencies have just taken a bigger cut of the pay. They didn't actually ever pass that along in a lot of cases to the nurses themselves. So we're all still stuck in the same place where the nurses aren't getting reimbursed with what they deserve. They're being totally screwed. And then the nursing agency is like just taking a bigger cut of things. And you're like, it's ridiculous. And now we know the pay lines too. And so I'm like, I know how much per hour our nurse gets from the state through this program. And I also know how much she gets paid per hour from her nursing agency. And the difference between those 
feels obscene to me, especially knowing how much support we're not getting from the nursing offices as well. It's just, I think all of this was stuff that I didn't initially anticipate was going to be part of it. I would have thought like home nursing means you have a person in your house and they help you with your childcare. Like I didn't know it was going to be all this other agency dealing with and all these other things. And, and so there's a big push in our state to try to like push back against some of the nursing agencies for making sure that the nurses are getting reimbursed, making sure that like the policy that the state has in place to support families like ours is actually working. There's a lot of legislation going on, but that also like takes time and effort to put in the effort to be like, okay, I'm going to join this group that like writes to the legislators and tells them what we need. And there's been a push in our state too, to try to have parents maybe be able to be paid as caregivers in some cases. Like if you can't work anyway and you have to stay home with your child because you can't get nursing coverage, like the state should be reimbursing you for what you're doing at home then. It's just a lot of extra things that you feel like on top of being sort of pushed in a lot of places. You're like, I should really spend some of my time like helping to advocate for these changes that we need that would really help people. But then you're like, how much bandwidth did I have when I already had to fight with everybody about the stupid orders? (laughs) I'm already my child's private secretary and nurse manager and educator and therapy advisor and the plethora of hats that we wear, right? But then you add on, oh, I should really be advocating to make our lives better. And of course, I'm so early on in all of this that the concept of advocating is still kind of a new little tick in my brain. I mean, just another illustration, right, of how the system has failed us. And like that there's so much at play, like everything that we've shared is by some portion a result of the way that the system is not set up to support families like ours, right? Our experience with the quality of nurses is very much in tune with how the nurses are compensated, how the nursing agencies are allowed to run or have to run because of circumstances outside of our control. Like the experience could be so much different for our families. And there's this, like, we want to make things better, right? But with what bandwidth? Like, it's so hard to explain this situation anyway, and to try and share it with other people and get them to understand. It takes so much energy as it is. And then I can't tell you how many times I feel bad now looking back on it, but I was asked to participate in advocacy efforts and I didn't have anything left of myself to give and wish I could have. It's something that now with my life as it is currently, I have other things pulling at my attention and bandwidth like every other parent in the world does. I don't know if we have a solution, but I see so much of the things that we've talked about being a direct correlation with things that just aren't set up to help us. As we watch you literally wrangle a baby in front of us as you were saying that. (laughs) Other things. (laughs) Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. And I mean, I would just love to kind of wrap up this really important conversation with kind of going back to the beginning of like, how all these frustrations, seeing all these issues and all these failings in the system to support us when we need it the very most and in a lot of ways makes it even harder and worse off for us. You can each take turns answering this about how it's impacted each of your identity as your child's parent in that relationship with your child. Yeah, I think for me, it was very impactful early on as well. And I think like as we sort of spoke earlier, like having if the person you need nursing for is your first child, like it was for me, like I was still getting my sea legs under me for being a parent and it just complicated things. And it made me sort of feel like I wasn't always the primary caregiver, it made me feel like I sometimes took a back seat to someone else. And that made me feel extra sad about what I was missing out on as a parent, as a new mom, that bonding time, that time being able to just 
throw your baby in a carrier and take them to the grocery store and, you know, being able to just sit with them and play with them and things like that, which isn't to say that I couldn't still do that sometimes, but I felt like a lot of times when the nurses were around, I allowed myself to take a back seat to them. And I regret that. I think if I could go back, I would have tried to give myself a little more confidence early on to carve out my place in the house and have the nurses work around me. But it took me a little while to get comfortable with that. I think I frequently felt like I was second. And that was when you're already dealing with, you know, all the feelings of being a new parent and all the feelings of what it's like to be a mother when you weren't a mother before. And also what it's like to deal with some of these medical things that maybe you don't have other friends who are moms who have dealt with before. It just felt more and more isolating. And I think for me, again, the reminder from friends and family about how lucky we were to have the nursing hurt even more because what I think people didn't understand is that I wanted to be the one who was the only one caring for my child. And the idea that I was supposed to feel so excited and grateful that we had nursing when actually it was like sort of a deep sadness early on for me was a hard disconnect. And I think as the years have gone on, I've become more comfortable with saying like, I'm going to go to this appointment alone because I want some time together or just with carving out some time being like a more confident parent. But I think it did take me a long time to get there. And I sort of regret the loss of those early months. Man, you could have just like read my brain and read it out loud there. Like I resonated so much with that. And I think one part that I think of about myself currently on the other side of this is that my go-to response is so much defensiveness. And that's my natural like state of being as a parent now that I think was very much a result of always being questioned, always having to be on the defense and fight so much those first few years when we did have nursing and fight for my voice. And I've had almost this like withdrawal period of not having to have to fight as much. Like I still have quite a bit of fighting to do for my daughter because her medical needs are still very much a part of our lives. Just not the trick part, not the nursing part anymore. But my go-to is so much different than what I felt like I needed to be as a mom and a parent and what I envisioned motherhood being that I've had to unlearn a lot of that defensiveness and just being on edge. And it has been some hard lessons to learn in personal relationships. Cause even when like, it's hard to turn it off, you know, you're so used to being on the defense and being a really strong advocate for what your child needs in your home, not just, you know, the hospital setting. And then you go to not having to do that. It was a whole thing for me to even start the process of unlearning that in personal relationships with folks. And there's been a lot of apologizing I've had to do and regaining some trust with friends and relatives through it all because of how that impacted me as a person and as a parent. Yeah, like it affected your identity by necessity. Right at the beginning, at the get-go, you had to shift into this identity you didn't want, you didn't choose. And now you're like unlearning that and redefining who you are. And that is so fascinating. My God, I'd love to have like a conversation with you guys about the future someday and just what this turns into because I'm still so early into it. But I also have a different story because I did already have a neurotypical-ish <laughs> child, <laughs> but I got to do the normal mom thing and there was this sense of loss because this was going to be our last child. No matter what, we knew Sophia was our last child. And then you come home with this kid and we knew of course in advance that it was gonna be complex and there were gonna be nurses and it was gonna be a thing. But I wish I would have given myself, man, I don't even know because you can tell yourself, oh, it's gonna be fine. But when you're in it, it's a whole thing. 
but I had my parenting sea legs under me, so to speak. I knew who I was as a mom. I went through that emotional trauma of having a first kid and having that identity shift and all that. And he was born at the beginning of COVID, so I very much was doing it alone. So this time, I had everything on display, as opposed to when Kaylin was born. He was born the very, very, very beginning of pandemic. So it was very different to come home with this baby, with the training that we had, knowing how to do this, being relatively confident, coming home with this kid and being like, okay, we know how this is going to be going and everything. But now these nurses, I kind of expected them to just be like, okay, what do I do? And that wasn't the case. I wish I knew how much fighting it was going to be early on to get everything in place and in line. I wish that I could go back and tell myself, like, you're going to get on the other side of this. Like, you're going to have good nurses. And these aren't your good nurses. It gets better than this. This is not the best that you got. It's going to get better than this. And it's going to be hard, but it's going to get better. That it's going to be more work than you think. And it's going to be a million times more different than it was with your first. But you still have to remember to be a mom. When you have these people in your house, there's a level of professionalism that's necessary. You're always on. You're always someone's workplace. So you have to have that workplace professionalism. You can't just complain about your day because your day includes that nurse. You can't just complain about oh my gosh, this nurse for yesterday was so frustrating or oh, that agency or anything like that because that nurse is going to hear it and that nurse could talk to another nurse. So that level of professionalism is hard to have in your home because that's your home. And in your home, everything's personal. It's exhausting to be that professional being 24-7. You don't have a safe space because your safe space is someone else's workspace. Yes. That place to just be at the end of the day. You have like 24 seven, you know, coverage, which we never had all the shifts covered. You don't know when you're going to be able to have that important conversation with your husband. And like, we had a situation where one of our nursing agencies, when they were doing the intake paperwork, they were saying like, Hey, just, so you know, our nurses have to report if they see you guys arguing. It's horrifying. So we always had this like fear of a CPS call for a normal marital argument. Oh my God, that's a new fear you just opened up in me. But to this end, in terms of like one thing I guess we didn't really talk about was like how nursing has affected my relationship with my husband as well. Because I do think it also made us feel more like it's a business that we're running. Like it feels even more like we got to talk about nursing issues. We got to talk about staffing. We got, in addition to all the other like logistics stuff, it feels like there's so much less of our relationship that's just an actual relationship. And there's so much more of it that is like, we are a team who's managing. We're Managing coworkers. people, managing this. We're coworkers. And it has so affected our relationship, I think, in terms of like, how do we get back to the people who got married because they were in love and not the people who just feel like we run a business together now. And the fact that it's in your home, again, you can't like turn it off and leave it at the doctor's office or leave it wherever. It feels like it really is sort of part of your entire life. And going back to that whole identity shift, my husband and I are not the same people we were before Savannah. On the other side of nursing, we had to do a lot of refiguring out who we are as individuals after we had that personal space regained. And like, 
we had our operating procedures pretty much like a being husband and wife when there were still people in the home, but we had to completely refigure out what that meant when we no longer had nurses. In addition to figuring out, okay, so we're doing all this on our own now with her, which is great, but we felt like we didn't know each other at all because we've been playing this professional relationship for so long. And like all of this professionalism that you're talking about, where you come home from work and you can't vent about your day and you can't ever really talk freely with your spouse or at all, all while you're grieving. I cannot imagine being on display like that. That makes me feel really emotional to picture those really, really horrible first days, you know, the first year or so after having our son, like of just being in the throes of grief, experiencing so much medical trauma, like all these things are like so intense. I didn't even want to go out into public. Like I, I wanted to just stay home and throw a fit and to have someone in your home that you never really could open up. I mean, like that's got to like really screw up watching you throw a fit. <laughs> because now I know that it's real. Thanks for that, Brooke. But <laughs> I always had this fear <laughs> that they were going to chart. Mom had an emotional breakdown today. Yeah. The fear of it, like some little thing happens and then it gets written down. They're so precise about everything, too. So even it's like, a oh, I went for a little walk with my daughter and she tripped and fell and skinned her knee. And then it's the next day. It's like, mom says that she fell. I looked at the wound. Sometimes you're like, it's just a kid fell. Like, it wasn't a thing. But then you're like, are they going to call CPS? Because my kid has a skinned knee that she didn't have yesterday. You know, if an accident happens, that always feels like there's like a little bit of blame. Like, and sometimes kids just fall. One more reminder of how different our lives are than everyone else and it's just, you yes. know, it's just one more layer to that. Like my daughter is on blood thinners and she bruises very, very easily. And some of the nurses, like, even though they had the chart that said she was on blood thinners, still questioned me about as she was learning to walk at age three, the bumps and bruises she was getting. And it's like, guys, like I longed so much during that period to just be a mom. And now that I'm not like having in-home nursing, I still don't feel completely like that because the needs haven't gone away other than the trach. Like we still have a lot going on, but like when you're in the throes of having in-home nursing, that's just one more layer of not being able to wear that hat of just being a parent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great note to end on. I love everything you guys shared. And I think this conversation has been so fascinating for me. Usually I have more to like, interject but I've loved hearing from each of you and your perspectives on this topic from the outside of this like it's kind of baffling to be like whoa like this is a huge part of your experience of having a child with medical complexities like whether you have nursing or not and just everything that goes into that and so I really really appreciate all your thoughts and that you're willing to explore this topic and I I know that there are so many parents that are feeling validated right now and feel that power of that solidarity. So I'm grateful for each of you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for asking that last question. I think the root of a lot of this is that this really has affected our identities as parents. And that is something that's harder to address than even the already frustrating like logistics of staffing and dealing with the agency and all of those things and getting orders like those are at least things that you feel like you can address but they're like some of those deep-seated feelings are like harder to get to so thanks for asking that part too yeah of course and I mean like I say this about like so many things I feel like it gets kind of repetitive but I do feel like there is probably tons of grief in that like just like any other aspect that's hard about having a child with medical issues and yeah I see that grief as you speak and 
definitely something that I think is really important to think about and to be aware of and to give space for. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you would like to connect with me or any of the three guests on social media, check out the links in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to our website, therarelife.org, where we have a blog post written by our amazing editor, Alyssa Newtile. It is full of advice and tips on navigating in-home nursing. It's geared towards those who are just starting out, but the tips will probably be helpful for those who are further along as well. A big thanks to Alyssa for all she does in producing the podcast and for being our guest for a story episode coming out next week. I've known and worked with Alyssa for a long time and have known bits and pieces of her story with her daughter Gemma, and it was fantastic to finally sit down and get the full story. It's a great one. Don't miss it. See you then.